Welcome to episode 3 of season 7 of Delving Into Dance. This episode is with ex-Trocadero dancer Chase Johnsey. Chase is an incredible dancer and in 2017 won the Best Male Dancer at the National Dance Awards in the UK. Chase recently made history becoming the first gender-fluid dancer to dance in the female ensemble in the English National Ballet. A move that started some very important conversations. I spoke to Chase via Skype at the end of his time at the English National Ballet. This is a wide-ranging interview from point shoes to gender to advocacy and I started by asking when Chase started dance. I started dancing when I was seven years old. Um, I'm from the southern United States, so my parents, uh, we were watching television and Billy Ray Cyrus' Achy Breaky Heart came on and I started line dancing in front of the television to that and then my mother put me in dance because she saw it was something that I liked doing and also I was always sort of a strange child. and my mother always knew that I was gay, so I think she she knew that I would be protected doing dance and in the arts. You know, it would be a great outlet for me creatively, I think. So that's sort of how I started. And then I didn't really start serious ballet training until I was 14. And um, then that's when I saw my first ballerina on point. And when I saw it, Um, everything clicked and I sort of just knew that that was the medium that I wanted to express myself in was with point shoes. And um, three years later I got into Trocadero. What was it about the point shoes? Well, it's strange because even back then I could do more on point than on flat and there was just something beautiful and light and um, just graceful about the look of it. And I, I don't know. The, the other thing is like, I, I knew that it was incredibly hard. Um, and, uh, I am a huge feminist. So there was something about this strength of the females going on point that really interested me. I, I liked that, that there was strength behind that beauty and like my mom's a strong woman and my sister's a strong woman. So I think, and, and, and I always sort of wanted to emulate that sort of female strength. So I think that that also has a lot to do with it, that I, I, that's the type of strength that I want. And, and even to this day, uh, I, I aspire to have that sort of female strength. Obviously the point shoes are so, you know, represent elegance and a whole, you know, range of other things. Are there reasons why men aren't taught on point earlier? You know, that it is still so gendered in that, in that respect? Yeah. Well, I think that they do sometimes put boys on point to either strengthen or make their ankles more flexible, but I don't think it's taken seriously. Um, I, I think that obviously ballet is a traditional art and you know i and i hate this expression uh but you know they say well we've always done it this way girls have always danced on point and the guys 
don't. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that it's beneficial, even if somebody doesn't want to make a career out of it. I think it's good for you. Also, it, it, I think it helps the boys sympathize with the girls a little bit because it really does hurt. <laughs> When were you? When did you first put on the point shoes? Um, after I saw one of the girls on point in my ballet school, I, um, which this was in like the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, I needed a pair. Um, I like I'm, I'm a very decisive person in that way. I knew I wanted to dance on point, and I needed to, but I wasn't brave enough or I don't even know if I had gone into like a dance boutique if they would have sold me a pair so I decided to order them through the discount dance supply magazine (laughs) (laughs) and luckily they sort of fit and then I would just find times with empty studio space and uh, beret my life away (laughs) (laughs) and there I couldn't do much but I just wanted to beret on point and and do PK turns and stuff like that and that's sort of how it all started. Apart from the pain, what does it feel like when you're on point? That's a really hard question because in the beginning when you first start you feel like you're really, really tall. Like it's pretty scary way up there. But then now I've been dancing on point for fourteen years. So um, now it's become second nature and I can and I can do a lot more on point than I can do not on point. So now, I mean, and that's what the, even the girls, you know, they train for years to have that comfort and it becomes second nature. So, so now, even though sometimes some days I have like a a bruised toenail or my, my feet are sore or, or whatever, um, it's, it's simply, it's what I do. And, and uh, I've made it second nature, and that's, that's part of being a professional dancer is, you know, it has to become part of you. Mm. So, Can we talk about when dance did become a profession for you and I guess the steps and the transition or the pathway into dance as a, as a career? Me and my mother were actually talking about this yesterday while we were having lunch, and... I have been really, really lucky in my life that I have always had people. Um, I've had a lot of people tell me no, but I've had a couple amazing people tell me yes. And that's been my claim to not fame, but success or making it in this industry. Um, I had a lot of ballet teachers tell me I was too short and too thin and too effeminate to be a ballet dancer. Um, but I found teachers that would coach me on point and then. Um, I didn't get into any summer pro- any of the big summer programs, even though I was talented. But because of my size, I never got scholarship. I never got into those big ballet schools. But then I sort of knew that Trocadero was a place that I could be successful because of my size and because I like dancing on point. So I got a yes from truck arrow even though by the book i didn't go to an amazing ballet school i didn't go to any amazing summer programs i I don't have an amazing physique or amazing male technique but somehow some way i was able to sort of get in anyway because i had to find a person that was going to tell me yes 
And the same thing happened now with English National Ballet. When I quit Trocadero, well, she found me, but I, I found one single person in the ballet world that was willing to tell me yes and believe in me. So um, I've never been a dancer that's had offers coming, you know, from all ends. Like I know some people do. They're like having to turn down things. No, for me, it's always been I always search and find that one person that's going to tell me yes. So in regards- that really is how how I've managed my entire career. <laughs> yeah. Like earlier this year, you did leave the Trocaderos um, after 14 years, very publicly, um, saying that you're standing up for what you believe in. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you left and why you felt you needed to leave? Yeah. Um, I had won the National Dance Award in the UK um, for Best Male Dancer, and I was nominated for Best Performance in the role of Paquita. And um, I then had visibility, right? And um, just there were a lot of things that I understand about Trocadero, but that I didn't necessarily agree with. Um, for example, they don't address political issues. They don't advocate for any of those issues, and and they're very public about that. They're a show. Um, so, but and that's fine because you know we were dancing and making people happy. However, behind the scenes, we weren't one hundred percent free to be who we were. Um, people couldn't be overly effeminate. People couldn't wear makeup in class. People couldn't wear things that, like uh, female dance attire. Uh, and also the trans issue, the company stance on the trans issue was a major kicker for me because the company had already had a female to male trans gender person in the company that did both roles. Yet their stance on it is if a male were to transition to a female, that person would only be able to do male roles. And I don't like that because I have a lot of trans friends and trans people, they, they're they humans too. And, and I just didn't agree with it. And um, I, I stuck my neck out and martyred my career. I ruined my career while I was in my prime simply because I was tired of having to meet all of these people board of directors, uh, sponsors and donors and, and all of these people and say that it, it was an establishment that was was a safe place and a free place when in reality that wasn't the case. And so, you know, I, I experienced these dancers crying to me and, and feeling suppressed and, and not being able to be who they are. And it didn't make sense to me in an all-gay company that's been fighting the fight for 40 years. And even if in the past they, and this is where it comes from. I don't think that it's from a bad place. I don't think that the organization is malicious in, in telling people not to transition or not to, to come overly effeminate. They're trying to protect themselves because of a history of homophobia with presenters with theater crews, with you know, but the the thing is, is that I believe that they should create a safe environment for every single person that they hire. And it's so funny that at English National Ballet, 
I was free. I was able to be myself. Um, I could wear whatever I wanted on any given day, whether I wore makeup and pink tights and a leotard or I didn't. So it was just really, really important for me. And, you know, as artists, we need freedom. And, and, and so, sometimes in order to open up and find your ballerina persona, sometimes you have to convince yourself of that even in the studio. And, and I just had to, to put my foot down. And I thought that it would have been a situation where I would have been able to go back um, because there was a formal independent investigation. But then it seems very apparent that the very people that I was sticking up for did not come forward and admit it due to there's only one Trocadero or due to their own personal career goals. But in the end, it was the best thing that I could do, you know, is was to leave because Ultimately, now I'm able to champion those issues on my own and in a much bigger way. When you left, you thought that perhaps you would never do ballet again. And the opposite was true in the sense that, as you mentioned, you were dancing um, for the English National Ballet. Do you want to talk about that experience a little bit more and what it was like to be working in what is such a main stage company um, in the female ensemble? Sure. Um, well, you know, I, we, me and English National Ballet, both, we were not very public when I first joined about it um, because it was not a publicity stunt. Uh, them bringing me there was only extension of the diversity of the actual company. So just like they have male, female, gay, straight, black, Asian, everything, um, I was only an extension of that. And so, um, but this has never happened before. So um, we took it step by step and it actually happened very natural um, because the organization, they only see me as a dancer and the other dancers, they only see me as a fellow dancer. And after the initial shock of maybe how shocking I look, um, they realized that we're all there for a common goal. Um, it was very challenging to take class with the girls every day because a lot of the technical things that we had done at Trocadero weren't, or I shouldn't say them, me personally, a lot of the things, the ways that I worked in my dancing were not necessarily correct. And so um, I had a different standard to live up to, and that was a whole creative process and a creative struggle for me because... Um, at first, I really wanted to blend in with the girls. Um, I wanted to look like them. I wanted the lines. But uh, it became very obvious that English National Ballet just wanted me to be me. And that includes my musculature. That includes um, uh, the, the benefits and you know, the pros and the cons of having testosterone. Uh, which is, um, like, I'm not as flexible, but, you know, uh, you know, my, my muscles are different. And I'm not going to say I'm stronger because that's not true, but there's a different dynamic to it. But 
so there was a, uh, you know, it, it was really hard, and they helped me accept myself, and I heard it over and over again while I was there, that they just wanted me to be sincere, and they wanted me to be who I was, and they wanted me to push my limits. They didn't want me to be any more or less. So that was also something new, because in the trucks, uh, we're men on point, and we need the attack, and we need to see the struggle. Whereas there, um, it was all about personal exploration. So, um, and then of course, like all of the issues that I had with what I did at ENB were with myself. I was my own worst enemy because I was treated absolutely amazing there because I was treated like everyone else. So, um, like, I had days where I would cry, doubting myself. I, days where I would cry, wondering if I was the best person to make this type of history because I don't have the most amazing body. Uh, days where, like, dress rehearsal, I was panicking, scared that I was going to look like a man in a dress. You know, like, th these are all fears that I had and that I had to definitely work through. Um, but ultimately... In the end, it definitely paid off because with that little small step that I made, it's the impossible is now possible and opportunities are already happening that were not there before, not just for me, but for other people too. So, I mean, it's quite interesting you um, talk about um, being told to be yourself and a lot of people when thinking of ballet or classical kind of traditions would not necessarily see that as something that is often encouraged. So that in, that in itself is um, amazing. I imagine quite refreshing for a lot of other dancers as well. Well, uh, the amazing thing about the English National Ballet is that when you go there, the dancers are all individuals and they're all seen as that. They all have their strengths and their weaknesses. And that's okay. Um, they're fine with that. They all have different shaped bodies, um, and they all uh, are different human beings. And uh, I think that the organization applauds that. And even though for me to be in the ensemble, of course, I wanted to, to be, of course, along the lines of a female, so of course... I had to lose weight. I had to tone my muscles down. Um, that was my own personal choice was to do that. But it, it's beautiful that a company of 60 some odd individuals can go on stage and still look like a corps de ballet and look great and be a world renowned company. I, I you know, I love that. <clears throat> there was of course, um, some backlash, in regards to, um, I guess, their casting choices. Were you surprised or were you kind of expecting that some people would struggle with a man performing in the female ensemble? I think that it's important that people understand the context of what I'm doing and that in the arts world... Uh, doing cross-gender roles is not something new. It's not something that I'm inventing. It really does happen across all arts mediums. Specifically, opera, for example, 
they have what's called a countertenor, which is a male that can sing the female roles. And of course, it sounds slightly different. The male in that role looks slightly different, but they're able to do it, and and it's not in a mocking way. That um, there's a different beauty to that, and that's basically what I do. I'm a male, but I'm able to do the female parts. And so, of course, there's backlash. People are accusing me of taking jobs away from women, um, and. Uh, trying to break the traditional ballet that's already been set of, oh, well, girls are girls and guys are guys. But the thing is, is that ballet is an art form. Um, we're not machines. We're, we're not recreating the same productions the same way every single time. And where the world is right now, uh, uh, we're going to, towards more openness with gender. And uh, uh, I hope that we're eventually will be seen as individuals and not have so many different labels that <clears throat> it's important that we, that even in the classical traditional sense that it does reflect the times. So with what I'm doing, of course it's going to seem like I'm trying to fight for a ballet company to have an entire core of men dressed as women. And that's not the case. My what I'm doing is I want to open up the possibility of it. So I'm able to do it. So I should be able to just like any other person, just like, a, 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 like Misty Copeland or uh, any other person that has anything slightly different about them. If they're able to do it, then they should be able to do it. And so the backlash, of course, people who have never felt excluded based on circumstances that they could not help. Of course, they're not going to understand it. They're not going to agree with it. But I do know that there are so many people out there that have been, that have felt left out and that have felt like they were restricted by society and what they think, even though they had a talent for this or that. And I am here to break it. So I'm willing to pay the price and take the backlash and all of that in order to, to to make sure that, you know, like this father on Instagram who messaged me and said, my son, his dream is to be the sugar plum fairy. And now that I, now I can tell him that he can, you know? And so how beautiful that's the reason, you know, uh, I'm and and what, what I do, like I said, like, I'm not taking, like, ballerinas are my superheroes. And on top of that, I have an extensive resume to back up the work that I'm doing, mm. you know? So it's not that, you know, I, I was an award-winning, critically acclaimed ballerina in Trocadero. So people have to understand that, yeah, I'm going to break boundaries, <laughs> You know, like it's so interesting because ballet is, of course, so strongly gendered in its narratives. I guess in the roles, um, and even down to movement, with different expectations around the way men move and the way women move. And I think, obviously, your inclusion has started a range of conversations, um, even though the presentation of gender was still very much uh, around male and female and that your inclusion was in the female ensemble. 
So it's, I guess, a much bigger conversation that you're prepared to have. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've and by doing, I've done a ton of interviews, and um, I thought I was good at them, but now I'm having really tough interviews with really tough questions, and it's amazing because with these interviews, it gives me an amazing time to to reflect and and to to dive deeper into the significance of what I do, especially socially. So, one of the questions that I always get is well, why don't you start your own dance company? And the answer to that question is, I have no interest in, which, okay, I'm going to, if somebody has a trans company, I'm happy for them. But that's not the fight that I'm doing. I'm opening up possibilities in a conventional company, ballet company, for people that don't fit the norm. So I don't want to make a company sort of like Trocadero or an even more gender-inclusive company and only be able to afford 20-some-odd people opportunity to do what they love and exclude everybody else. That's not... I, I think that I have the potential to do something much bigger, which I can go to English National Ballet, and even though I didn't dance on point, I can show the world that I can fit in with a traditional setting, with a range of people. And that, for me, is much more significant to what I want, which is to create the possibility in any ballet company for anybody who's talented enough to be there. And so that that's one issue that, that I'm always asked about. Why don't you just make it? But, like, for example, look at me. I was with Trocadero and had... Tamara Rojo not saved me, I would have never danced again because there's only one Trocadero. And I know uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of what Sean Dorsey does because of the content of what he portrays. He he addresses political issues. So I'm, I, and he is a fighter. So I'm definitely on board with him. I'm not saying that what he's doing is bad. But for me personally, I, I just don't want. To, to group us off, you know, because then we're going to be even more isolated. So in regards to obviously there are a lot more conversations happening in terms of the interviews that you've had and the way people have been, I guess, talking about it, what kind of advocacy do you want to see or what are kind of the things that you want to see changed in the short term to make these companies maybe more reflective of the societies in which they emerge? I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from Tamara Rojo while I was there. And one of the amazing things about this woman is that her actions speak much louder than her words. So the action of me going on stage opening night at the Coliseum in London and even the critics not being able to pick me out is already a huge step because that shows that no matter what you are, you can blend in. And so that that is a huge step. Um, also, <clears throat> I have other things that will happen in the future that will continue to reinforce that. And so, and, and you know, I've gotten backlash from my own community saying that I don't do enough, or that I don't say enough, or I don't post enough, or I, I or I don't go to this pride event or that festival. 
And but the important thing to realize is that the simple gesture of of a person like me fitting in seamlessly with a company and everybody reading and, and witnessing it, that is what changes minds. Not, uh, not. I mean, and people should protest and and advocate, and that's great. But. I think the real profound world-changing actions are in what you do. And and hopefully with the opportunities that I've been afforded, it's going to make directors and ballet companies question their own stance on it. And I'm like, because luckily, fingers crossed, the press has actually been really good to me about this. And even though there has been backlash, there's been a lot of people supporting me as an individual. So I hope that 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 does have an impact. And I know for a fact that it has, I've talked with very important people in the ballet world that think what I'm doing is a great idea or directors that are contacting me and either asking me this or that. Um, yeah. And I, I guess that's how I advocate is by a being myself unapologetically and B um, going in there and getting my elbows dirty and fitting into a ballet company. The roles in classical ballet, like the leading roles, I don't know if I'll ever do a principal role ever again. But I think that gender has a place if given in the right context. And for example, when I danced Odette, how honest was it for me to play a creature that's trapped in a different body? You know, and Giselle going crazy over somebody betraying her, which is a really real thing in the trans community of men being ashamed to be seen with them, you know, and there's all these opportunities to bring a different spin on these ballets that are okay. a a cisgender male and female that are straight, of course they can associate with that love story, but so can we, you know? And I, and I think it's, I think it's important to understand that we have things to offer these roles too. Oh, and that's the thing too, with a lot of these roles in ballet, um, that often haven't been played by heterosexual dancers and that doesn't necessarily get in the way of the narrative or the reading or the way the audience sees the work either. You know, so the the idea that it is actually performative, it's performance. So there is that capacity. Well, yeah, like, like when you get down to the humanity of it, for example, the irony of it was I only danced with straight men in the production of Sleeping Beauty. And they were completely fine with it because... Once they got to know me, it was a human dancing with a human enjoying the music. And it, it, that is profound art in itself, that I can dance with somebody and I'm not forcing anything in my personal life on them. I'm there to dance and do my job that I'm paid to do and make art. And it was incredible because I was really bullied by straight guys and I worked in a gay company for 14 years. So I was actually the one that was nervous and weird and awkward at first dancing with 
only straight guys. Like I had three or four straight guys, and I even danced with some straight guys from English National Ballet School. You know, and everybody was okay with it. And it's amazing where the world is going because these young people, there's no, there's no convincing them about it. They see it for what it is, and they accept it, and that's it. There's no conversation that needs to be had. And the amazing part was the kids in the school were much more fascinated and, and intrigued and wanted to ask me questions and wanted to, you know, be around me, you know? When you say you were bullied by then, straight men, was that as a dancer, other dancers, historically? Um, well, in school, the straight guys tormented me for obviously being effeminate, and then, I, of course, I had some straight ballet teachers that, you know, would say, I don't care how gay you are, you have to be a prince when you're on stage. And I just had this fear of straight guys, and now I don't, you know? Or at least not in in that company, because I mean they just saw me as me, and you know my personal life and what I do in my personal life is very different from the art that I make. There's no sex, there's no sexual appeal or anything to ballet for me. It's my art. It's what I create. It's what I do to make people happy and to make an impact in the world. And I assume them too. So that's what we were doing together. We were not, you know, I, dancing with a straight guy is not making them question their sexuality or mine. It's simply the fact of two people musing, moving to music together. Who are your role models? If you look, you know, throughout your life, who are the people that, you know, you source inspiration or strength from? It's always powerful women, um, for sure. Uh, my mother, who is strength and heart wrapped up into one little body, <laughs> definitely um, my sister, who is my best, best, best friend. Um, I have a lot of ballerinas that I, I loved and, and drew inspiration from for them being brave enough to be themselves. Uh, trailblazers like Maya Placetskaya, Gelsie Kirkland, Natalia Makarova, uh, Alina Kachikaru, who I was, I shared the stage with, um, and of course Tamara Rojo for her strength and her backbone and her willingness to to take this risk on me because she felt that it was right. And so, and the thing is, like in my life, it's always the women that save me. And it makes me so happy that now I am actively seeking out, you know, because I I sort of like the irony that I am in a, you know, I'm doing the core female in a company and I'm being directed by a a female. So the, the roles are way reversed in that way. And I love that. So now I'm really actively seeking out female choreographers to work with me so that I can further show that that dynamic does work. You know, uh, I love that. And, and And that's something, too, that I advocate for. I want more female directors and choreographers. I think it's important. So... In regards to female choreographers and artistic directors is a pretty hot topic when you look at main stage companies. 
um, around the world? I mean, it's shifting in the conversations being had, but... I think that a lot of strong women are doing great jobs with that. Ashley Bowder, she is a very strong woman and doing great things. Tamara Rojo, uh, Julie Kent at Washington Ballet. Uh, I, I know I'm missing a, a lot of them, and I'm probably going to get heat for that. But but it's happening, and, and, you know, it's happening more because these women are doing amazing work, not because they're women. Mm. Uh, they're actually more than qualified to be doing what they're doing, and they're doing amazing at it. And so with that good work that they're doing, that's why you're seeing it more and more. Yes, be, the, the, now it's being – we're addressing the issue, so more women are getting the opportunity, but more than that, they're succeeding in it. And that's how – I mean, that's the slow way to change, but it is changing, you know. In regards to, I guess, where you're heading, what do you see yourself kind of doing in five years' time? What's the kind of path? Where do you want to go? Where, how far do you want to push this? Well, um, I still want to keep fighting for sure. My next, I have a couple of goals that I want to achieve. I'd love to get on point in a production and blend in uh, that in the corps de ballet. I, I think that would be a, the next big step. I also would love to dance as a female with a female that is doing the male role, or I'd love to dance with trans dancers um, and give them visibility. Uh, I'm really interested in working with Sean Dorsey and his dance company because I see he's doing wonderful things. So, um, I, I'd love to, to be in that. Um, another thing that I would really love to do, and, and one of the interviews, that one of the really hard interviews I did, they asked me about Ratmansky's statement about, do you remember that statement? It was like, men are men and women are women and, you know, they shouldn't cross over, right? Yeah. And they asked me what I thought about that, and like I said before, I think that statement is true to that person, but he's never felt like I felt like, like I feel I'm an outsider. I, I'm strange in the ballet world. And even though, uh, I'm finding my place, I'm still the odd character out. And somebody who's never felt outcasted by the ballet world doesn't understand that. So I, I'm in negotiation to make an artistic dance film that poetically explains what it's like to be me and the struggles that I have with a mirror and my body dysmorphia. And certain days I just hate myself and I hate my body. And certain days that uh, I doubt myself and, and uh, just, like, to give an artistic feeling of what it's like to be a person that doesn't fit the norms in ballet, not just as far as gender, but of color too. And I really like to make a, a dance film that displays that. And I think that that would be a profound work because I've never, in my career, I've never gotten, I never got to be raw and ugly and, and show the real side and real work of what I do. 
I, I've only been able to show the, the, the beautiful makeup and the, and the tutus and the tiaras. And I, I think I'm ready for the world to see me stripped, you know? And that's the thing about dance. Um, I mean, a lot of different artistic disciplines, but dance in particular, the amount of work that goes in to the studio, to the training, into the body, uh, around what you eat and what you don't eat, and all that kind of work, that labour that goes into the practice that is seen on stage as so, I guess, glamorous and beautiful and flawless. You know, I'm an artist through and through. I love all art. So then I find beauty in the ugly of it. So when I go to rehearsal and I look like bad because my hair is going crazy and my makeup is smeared and I'm sweaty and I'm exhausted and and my feet are bruised and bloody and, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm struggling. That struggle of the creative process is art too. And, and I think it's really important to show the world that in a very real and honest way. Yeah, I would watch that film for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, so many things that I, I go through just to convince myself that I'm a ballerina, you know, like hiding my genitals in ballet class is a really big struggle and it's very uncomfortable. And I wear a wig every day and I wear things to mask my shoulders and accentuate different parts of my body. And um, I have to shave every day, which, you know, is terribly painful for my face. But I have to go through all of these processes in order to even convince myself that I'm a ballerina. And uh, I, as embarrassing and as raw and as crazy as all of that is, I think that I want to share that with the world too. I'm not just a, a pretty ballerina, you know. Thanks for listening. Delving into dance relies on the support of you, the listener. So please contribute online if you want these podcasts to continue. On the website, you'll find links to Chase's work, as well as an archive of amazing episodes, including with Deborah Jowett, Damien Gillet, Meryl Tankard, Judith Mackerel, and a range of others. You can find Delving Into Dance on Facebook, and you can subscribe on iTunes. While on iTunes, why not leave a review? Delving Into Dance acknowledges the support of the Victorian government through Creative Victoria. Until next time, take care.